Listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All our current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Medic Materials Podcast. And I am officially almost all alone in the, you know, very lonely bunker tonight. Uh, I am joined with, by Skype, Gerard and Kelsey. But, Hello. Um, Hello. But I have a very special surprise for you guys and everyone who's been following us for a length of time, a significant length of time. Gerard, I'll give you one guess of where I got this from. So we are joined with Kelly today, and I hope that she brings some good insight. Because Emily oh, could not she be. Does. She, brings it. <laughs> she she brings it, but you know what? She is such a pivotal part of this show that I mm. felt like she needed her own theme music. That's fantastic. I, <laughs> I like it. The thing is, is I I know that, and I can't remember where the hell it's from. It is. And as soon as you say it, I'm gonna know it. I know. I know. I'm surprised that you weren't like, bam, there it is. Right. It is Woody Harrelson from Cheers when he gets married. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he sings at oh, the piano. Shit. I knew it. I knew it. That's right. I knew it. <laughs> shit. All right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I am here all by myself with Kelly. Um, so spark the conversation when you will, Kelly, please. Um, <laughs> you guys are going to join in via Skype. And, um, you know, we're going to have a really interesting conversation. Uh, discussion topic today we're not going to do a call review we've done a bunch of those recently um but i wanted to dive into the world of a cardiac arrest you know around here there are echo priority cardiac arrests uh a lot of other agencies and and areas call them code 99 so whichever one you guys you know maybe there's something else that i don't know what what it is that you guys call it but we are going to be talking you know how far we've come in treating and, you know, diagnosing cardiac arrest to the best ways to approach the scene, the mental aspect of it. You know, I, I'm going to throw some tips out there for, you know, how to actually treat the cardiac arrest on scene. And uh, and we'll just see where this conversation leads us. I got a couple studies to, to shout out to you guys. But, you know, Kelsey, you and I were talking before the program uh, started that I had a really freaking bad day. And uh, I wanted to share with you guys why my day sucks so bad. <laughs> so, oh, that's yeah. That's a great way to start. Yeah. So, well, because this is fun, you know, banter. And um, okay. so, yeah. so uh, as you guys both know, I heat my home completely out of uh, wood. I have a wood stove, completely heat my house during the winter via wood. So, mm-hmm. me and Jess are outside splitting wood. And guess what my dumbass did? What did you do? Cut yourself. Uh, I cut myself, yes, but I also broke my left pinky finger <laughs> today. No. Oh. Um, wow. Yep. So it's it's super That's painful. 
uh, right yeah. now. I haven't broken a finger in probably 15, 20 years. It's been, it's been a long time, probably since I was yeah. a teenager. And, um, yeah, this fucking thing hurts. <laughs> I can imagine. So, yeah, I can only imagine. And, it's good and stuff. I'm really glad that I didn't break it on my right hand because then I'd have to call out of work because I'd be like, I don't know how the fuck it's starting IV. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't even know how I'm going to lift a stretcher because just – you know, it's in like one of the finger casts that you get at like CVS or Rite Aid, and right, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's just I had it taped together with some electrical tape earlier, but that was just more painful and it, it kept bleeding, so oh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, like I lifted one of the big rounds onto the onto my splitter, and you know my the splitter is of course steel, and it's right. cold and snowy out. So when it hit the steel, it slid, and my my pinky finger got wedged in between probably a sixty pound round and oh. the the wedge that actually cuts the material. Oh, that's, that's in like not good. in an Awful. instant. And I, you know, I had gloves on and whatnot, and I came up, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it fucking hurts!" But I didn't realize it was bleeding yet. And, um, you know, so I keep cutting, like I'm shaking my finger out like a good man would do like, Oh, it doesn't hurt. I'll go through it. And, and, uh, and then, all right. So you arrive on scene and you see this <laughs> pussy shaking his hand <laughs> and crying. Totally. <laughs> do do? Totally. That's, that's literally how I felt. Right. And Jess is like, what the hell happened? And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. And all the meanwhile, right. I don't realize that it is like profusely bleeding in my glove. And um, oh. so, you know, next thing I know, I get like this instantaneous wave of nausea. I get like that woozy feeling and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out. Like what the fuck is going on? And then I realized, oh wait, I can't pass out. I have a pacemaker. So then I was like, oh. all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to finish up this log Hopefully I don't go down and then I'm going inside. So I'm like, Jess, I got to go inside. I walk in and I'm like treading fast to get inside the house. And, uh, I pull off my glove and I am just dripping blood everywhere. They're like, there's, Dang. it's dripping out of my glove. It's dripping on the floor. The dog's licking it up as I'm walking across the house. Like, of course okay. he is. like oh yeah, it was gross. <laughs> and I'm feeling again, like I'm going to pass out. And then I, felt my pacemaker start kicking in and that thing oh probably went for like a good seven minutes. So I probably would have passed out if I didn't have my pacemaker. So thanks doc for putting that in. I appreciate it. Um, right on. <laughs> yeah, right on. They work. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my really bad day. So thank God it wasn't my bowling, wow. my bowling hand. I, that would really piss me off. Screw oh, work. Wow, as long as right. I, yeah, like if I couldn't suck. bowl, I'd be like, screw my life. <laughs> But uh, there's nothing left to live for. Right. There's nothing left to live for. I can't bowl. <laughs> so, all right, Kelsey, let's go into your rig check so we can start having this conversation. Well, I'm glad you're okay and that you didn't, you know, join the Butch Croak on us. Oh, man, that's totally true. I could be like yep. Butch. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Butch. I don't want to be yet. <laughs> oh, I love that man. I hope he doesn't listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, he probably doesn't. He if hates, it's, he if hates it's, PMS. If it's the one episode that he listens to, it's not. I don't want it to be this one. Right. 
Uh, all right, let's do that. I mean, he, can, he can regurgitate Scarbosa like it's freaking. You oh, know, I know. The man is ridiculous. I know. I know. <laughs> all right, let's get serious. <laughs> okay, I've guy. Ever, ever said before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So we have a new offer at Medic Materials. You can now buy us a cup of cup of coffee and if you know Emily and I we love coffee so at $5 a cup you can directly donate to Medic Materials and help the show grow buying a cup of coffee helps us give back to you in the long term and you do not receive a direct give back for donating out out of the kindness of your heart and just in time for the holidays we have partnered with Leatherman so if you're looking for a gift for your favorite first responder or yourself click the link below and a portion of your purchase will go to Medic Materials and no extra cost to you. And remember, you could also hold join on, us Kelsey. at Patreon and see us tonight on Discord to study with Mike or just talk talk about a call that you've had. But get on, join Patreon, and you'd have access to that. And Which speaking is awesome. of our Patreon listeners, we want to shout out our Patreon listener Will today. Thank you for joining us. And we're also going to shout out our listeners in Japan and Kansas. So thank you, everybody who has been supporting us, whether you donate financially to us or not. We really appreciate all the support that you guys have just listening to us every day. You guys are awesome. Konnichiwa and hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's no, there's no better sound than Macho Man. It's, no, there isn't. It's really... It just they should put... just dig him back up and reanimate him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need a slim gym. Um, all right, so, so, I. I was gonna say now, when she's doing a rig check, you need to be more like Kelly. Oh, because yeah. you know you're stepping all over. Well, so, I was trying. Not... I was trying to. Kelly'll, you know, Kelly say you're strong. <laughs> I was trying to put in added information and thank yous, but. Okay, next time I'll just be quiet. <laughs> All right, so what is the added information and the thank yous? Well, no, I just wanted to reiterate, um, you know, buying a cup of coffee is is a new uh, way to support the show. Uh, just like Kelsey said, you know, there's no, like, yeah, it, cool. in Patreon, <laughs> you know, there's no, um, there's no, like, kickback. You can't, like, join a certain thing or get perks. It's literally just a cash donation. And all of those uh, cash donations literally go into the Medic Materials Fund to be able to buy, you know, the sound gear and the cameras and all the other stuff that we use to produce the shows and the content online. So it is not just like lining our pockets, um, but every you're not actually buying Emily and I coffee. Right, you're not actually you know oh, buying man, this coffee. See, now you let but... the cat out of the bag. That sucks. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that this people is, knew is, that already. This is but... radio. This isn't television. You know. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I do want to say a sincere thank you to everybody. I know we, we beat this dead horse over and over, but it's truly, uh, you know, an absolute pleasure to be able to sit and talk with you guys. And, you know, even though I don't get to, you know, sit and talk with everybody, uh, you know, on a personal level, I feel like I can, because you guys are listening. Uh, there's that personal connection between, you know, our voices and your ears through the radio or your, you know, sound system or whatever you're listening to us on. And, um, you know, take it from me, you can listen to somebody on the radio or a podcast and, you know, feel like you know those people personally uh, after a while. And, um, you know, again, I just want to say thank you to everybody who takes the time out to listen to us twice a month, three times if you're a Patreon uh, subscriber. So, uh, 
that was all I wanted to add. I, I felt no, it was necessary. And I, I second all of it and uh, yield the rest of my time to the uh, gentleman from the uh, from the north there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the, the great People's Republic of New York. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I still consider myself an expatriate here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, guys, what would you say if I brought out a statistic saying that uh, there are around, give or take, 350,000 cardiac arrests per year in the United States. And that is a direct AHA statistic. Do you feel like... I'm being honest, I'm surprised it wasn't higher. Now, see, that was exactly what I said. I felt like it would be higher. You're thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, 50 states, that's a lot of land. The United States is a big, big country. You know, 350,000 ain't a lot. So it's pretty much one per million. What states have the highest rate of cardiac no, arrest. No, not one. Yes, we have three, well, we have what about three hundred fifty million people here, right? So three hundred fifty thousand. All right, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's that sounds about right. I mean, you know, it, when you really think about it. Yeah, it it it's just a number that was very surprising to me, um, and you know, going off of the AHA data, when we think about cardiac arrests, the out of hospital survivability is still only about 5 to 12% depending on where you are in the country. And Bless um, you're with me. Can I can I come up with a uh, <laughs> statistic for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Damn. 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 <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> I don't have the luck, man. I don't have the luck. You know, it, it's if we're if we're truly being honest, um, you know, I've only ever had one actual save where, uh, someone legitimately walks out of the hospital and lives a normal, healthy life. And that's one in 14 years. So the closest I ever came was the one where she, uh, you know, Hey, they took her upstairs and you know, you got her back and great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then three days later, Oh yeah, they sent her to hospice. Yeah. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it, damn. Right. right. Almost I had a win, you know? Almost. Yeah. So, yeah. Kelsey, you were going to say, you were going to ask something? Um, I had asked what the high, the state with the highest rate of uh, cardiac deaths is, and apparently Oklahoma and Arkansas are tied. I was going to say, it had to be some someplace in the southern region. You just have yep. to go where so, there's barbecue. Well, o- Arkansas has the highest heart attack rate, but Oklahoma has the highest um, death rate linked to heart disease for cardiac arrests. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That was one. So I would have thought. I was gonna say I would have thought that would be like Mississippi or Alabama or something like that down there. Yeah, that was one statistic that I did not uh, bring in. Um, that's interesting. I wonder how. Hmm. I wonder how many, you know, out of that three hundred fifty thousand are are supported in those those two states. Um, but yeah, so you know, looking at this, when I first started, um. EMS. This is going back 14 years now. The out-of-hospital survivability was under 3%. It was like 2.7% for survivability from EMS. And now, 14 years later, we're looking at anywhere from 5 to 12%. So, like, what do you guys believe was the, the jump in that? Do you feel like it's just EMS is getting better or like, so, is, there a, is there a significant cause for that? 
So I had actually thought about this because um, you were you had mentioned prior some statistics that you were looking forward to, and I think that we have all these new developing technologies. I mean, every most agencies, especially around us, whether the paramedic or just the like, even a BLS ambulance carries like a Lucas device or a thumper or something that's going to provide quality CPR, no matter if you're on the road or if you're in somebody's bedroom, no matter the circumstance, they're still going to go until the battery dies. And the only thing that's ever been proven effective in cardiac arrest reversals is good CPR. Like, sure, we can throw the box of drugs at them and we can provide good ventilations to help you know, perfuse the brain. But at the end of the day, if you're not circulating anything, that person is not coming back. And I think just that basic device itself has helped so much in like our long-term care. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I was going to bring up later on in this discussion was the fact that good quality CPR is going to save your patients over everything else minus electricity. You take mm. CPR and electricity, and you could throw everything else out of the bag. You don't need drugs. You don't need anything else. CPR, really good, you know, quality CPR and electricity, and you can fix most of the cardiac arrests that are out there. You know, it's not the epi that you're going to give. It's not the amiodarone that you're going to give. It's not the whatever that you're going to give. It is the electricity and the good quality CPR. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I bring up is there was a survivability study um, in King County, Washington. So that's the Seattle area. And um, they did. I've watched cops. <laughs> <laughs> for those that for those that didn't, that's the Seattle area. Um, I just visited there. It's very very nice. Um, and uh, so yeah, it, you know they did this survivability study for cardiac arrests in and around there, uh, the Seattle Fire Department's district, and um, they did it. You know, uh, like ten or twelve years ago, and they found that their their out of hospital cardiac arrest survivability was just like the the average from 10 or 15 years ago, it was about three to 5%. And they said, well, why is this going on? And they, they looked at how many uh, providers were CPR certified. And they looked at how many civilians were CPR certified. And they said, wow, we really don't have a lot of people here that are CPR certified. The providers are, but nobody else is. So, like, you know, mom is not going to thump on granny's chest until EMS gets there because they don't know how, you know. So what they did was they took all of their, uh, their money and their resources and they put it into educating the public and getting the public CPR certified with, you know, now, um, you know, hands-only compression CPR. And it's actually to the point where they have a mandated requirement for all high school students to graduate with a CPR card. It is a cool. requirement of their graduation of high school that they have to do a CPR class in school and graduate. So what would you guys say if I would say they redid this study last year and they redid all of these numbers for survivability. What would you think it is 10, 12 years later? 
I think so. actually it's going to be higher. Um, it's funny that you mentioned it because this was taught to me in my EMT class. My instructor's like, you know, the best place to drop dead is Seattle. They don't care what you're dead on the ground for. They're going to start thumping on your chest anyways yep. because that's what they were trained. I mean, when I was in eighth grade, which wasn't that long ago, we were – we weren't CPR certified, but to graduate health class, we had to take, we just did like a basic CPR class. So we weren't certified in anything. We were just taught, you know, like the 30 to two, um, we didn't even get into like pediatrics or anything, but like just, um, rapid response of like, you know, call 911, start CPR. They didn't teach us much more than hands-on, but I think even that, like, you know, the slight, I mean, even bad CPR is better than no CPR to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I think even having that little bit of knowledge, when that situation arises may help the patient long-term. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and when you, when you actually look at the numbers going from, you know, three to 5% to the second study was performed 62% survivability for out of hospital cardiac arrest, 62 motherfucking percent. That's insane. Like that's a number that, I will never, ever see in this area, in, you know, the United States. I'll never see that. I might see it in Seattle, but I'll never see it anywhere <laughs> else. That's unreal. And you know what? Any yeah. providers that are li- – because I know we have providers listening to us in the Washington area. Good for you guys. Like, for real. It, it, I, I throw my hat. I tip my hat. You guys are fucking awesome, you know? But – at the same so, I mean, time, I mean, you're saying that you're never going to see it. What's to stop? I mean, a lot of the agencies, especially in our area, have pretty good working relationships with the schools. So it's not that hard of a program. I mean, we all have to take a health class to graduate. We all have to take a gym class to graduate. It's really not that hard to make it that it's a requirement to pass one of those classes to have a CPR card. I mean, it's would be a super easy program to in, implement across the board all of your gym teachers have to be cpr certified you know send one of them to be an instructor or have one of your local agencies come in for two days and do it for free long term it's going to benefit your community so much better i mean we all have grandma that we want to survive if something happens in front of us not all of us have that background behind us that would know what to do right Uh, i'm not disagreeing it is it is a super easy solution i just don't see the people that run things especially in our area to put their focus and mind to it, you know? Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't see it happen. You know, Gerard always says, follow the money. I don't see mm. it. CPR classes don't make a lot of money, you know? And um, I, yeah, I just don't see it, you know? And that's the sad part, you know, is that we're always following that, you know, that greenback and we yeah. shouldn't, you know, it is, it is it is clearly working you know if you go from five to 62 percent survivability there's something to be looked at there like hey we should probably do the same thing over here you know but i wanna i wanna uh there was a there was a uh, aha journaled article that came out in um february of 2020 um, I'm going to link it in the description. There's two of them that I'm going to read from today. So I'll link this one first and then the next one uh, after that. But uh, over the past decade, survival after resuscitation from cardiac arrest has increased. We've seen that, right? We've already said that. The estimated annual uh, incidence in the United States for out-of-hospital cardiac arrests treated by EMS is 184,000 
383 encounters of that 350. And the incidence of outer hospital cardiac arrest has increased each year. Survival to hospital discharge after EMS treated uh, out of hospital cardiac arrest is estimated 10.8% to 11.4%. The annual incidence of in hospital cardiac arrest is estimated at 209,000. Um, survival to hospital discharge after in hospital cardiac arrest. Uh, arrest is 25.8%. Um, and the, the thing that I want to get out of this is a lot of people look at, you know, in hospital and out of hospital numbers. And we, and we really, we go, well, why is there an increased survivability in, uh, in the hospital to versus the, you know, the lower uh, out of, you know, out of hospital rate? And really, it goes to witnessed cardiac arrests. Gerard, how many times have we gone to calls where somebody finds somebody down? Who the fuck knows how long they've been down? Right. We start CPR. They're maybe cool. They may be slightly warm. Maybe they've been down for an hour. Who knows? Right? They're in a systole by the time we get there, and yeah. we secure it after 25 minutes. Right? But in a, yeah. in a hospital, someone starts coding. And they work it forever. Typically, they see it fairly quickly. And then they work it. And typically, they see it so quickly that they can get them out of it fairly quickly. Um, so, you know, survivability increases in the hospital because it's all witnessed, right? And right. if we can increase the witnessing of CPR or, you know, cardiac arrest to initiate CPR right. out of hospital with training high school students. So everybody's trained, right? Even if you let your cert lapse, you still know how to do it. You know, you can just be a person that, oh, that guy collapsed. Let me give, you know, let me do some CPR if he doesn't have a pulse. You know, uh, there's apps now. Uh, pulse point. Right, pulse point. I think pulse point respond or pulse point responding is, you know, it mostly works within the cities. Uh, it hasn't really done a lot around here from us, like in a rural standpoint. But you can download apps that are linked to your county or city dispatcher, and you will get a notification of a cardiac arrest that you are within a certain circumference of. And you'll be like, oh, look, at 125 Jones Street, there is a cardiac arrest going on. I guess I'll head over there. And so because they want you to be able to see it quickly and get someone thumping on the chest because it might take ambulances 25 minutes to get there. Right. You know, so I'm actually glad you mentioned that because we brought that up in class today and I was thinking about it is how do you guys feel as like, you know, the providers there? Because sure, it's all great, but. I mean, we've all met the overzealous volunteer firefighters. Now you've got overzealous, you know, nosy neighbor next door. How do you deal with that, like, long-term almost? Where, like, okay, great, thank you for your service. We don't really need you anymore. Because it's kind of rude to kick oh, people no. off when they're the ones that have been helping you. Yeah, no, no, if you're, you, keep, you keep something. I, I got other things to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, well, and, and really, Gerard's on to something, 
right? The fact that uh, some pe- some providers and agencies don't have Lucas's or Thumpers, you know, at this point in time, that's out there. That that really, you know, there's agencies in our area that don't carry them. And, um, you know, you might be relegated to manual CPR. So, yeah, like, let my EMT take over for a little bit. And then, hey, after two minutes, guess what? Get back in there until the cop yeah. comes, right? And then my EMT and the cop and that person now can switch off. All I have to do is say, hey, are you your CPR certified? Yep, cool, keep going. You Man, know? I've even done where, hey, come here, put your hands like this, do what I tell you to do, and, you know, give us a hand here. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've shanghaied family members before to to jump down and start doing something because, yeah, we didn't have, you know, any kind of Lucas or anything like that, and we didn't have a lot of manpower. So it's like, hey, you know, come here, do this. Here's how you do it. And then you just kind of coach them while you're doing, you know, your other thing. Yeah. So. And, and I've done the exact same thing. It is a, it is a great strategy. You know, I've, I've done that not just with, um, uh, you know, like, Hey, do CPR or Hey, you know, like I'm going to teach you really quick how to bag and you're going to do it and I'm going to watch you. But I do it most of the time. I would say 90% of the time I Shanghai people to be my note takers so mm. I'll sit there and I'll be like, hey, all right, um, I'm giving an epi. Write down what time it is, and then you're going to, you know, look at your watch, and in three minutes, you're going to tell me it's been three minutes. So then I don't have to sit there and worry about what time or how, well, like, what, oh, man, I missed my right. epi by 12 minutes because that person's keeping, <laughs> you know, keeping, keeping an eye on my time for me. Um, and that's super helpful. So if you can do that with a nurse, with a cop, with a family member, with anybody, uh, do it, you know? So I, I want to go into some, just some generalized questions, getting your guys' thoughts. You know, we've all run cardiac arrests. We've all run code 99s. Gerard, how do you go about preparing like you hear the tone go off, echo level response, you know, police fire EMS for, you know, unknown cardiac arrest. What is that mental prep as well as the physical prep for that call while you're getting out to the truck and going to there? What do you, what do you start thinking about and doing? Um, well, you know, you take your pee. To joke around, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I was say to joke around, I would say, uh, that's when I started thinking about law school, but, um, <laughs> No, the, uh, so for me, you know, something like that goes out and it, it's, I don't really waste a lot of time getting to the ambulance, uh, get in, get going because, you know, time is money. Right. And, um, time is tissue at on, this point, but on the way, um, usually the first thing I'll do is, uh, verbalize the plan with my partner. So there's, there's no question about what's, you know, what we're going to do when we get there. Oh, yeah. I got, I got to give you that. All right, macho. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> I love people who do that. It's, I asked Justin. That's what I do. <laughs> it's pretty yep. cool. Uh, you know, I, uh, um, you know, I'll sit there and say, okay, here's the deal. We get there. I'm going to grab, you know, my ALS bag. I'm going to grab, you know, uh, my monitor and I'll grab uh, the airway bag. I need you to get the portable suction, the Lucas and um, your first in. You know what I mean? So we all know what we're carrying before we even stop the car. Yeah. Um, and then in my own head, 
once we've got that established, you know, if there's still time, I'm thinking about it. I literally just start thinking about ACLS. I start, you know, just running through just, you know, I mean, I've done it a thousand times, but, you know, I always just want to go through in my head and make sure I remember, you know, what I want to do, you know, how I want to do it, my dosages, what medications I'm using, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, of course, the, uh, you know, depending on what monitor you want to use, you know, don't forget to set the right, you know, um, uh, energy, you know, when you, yeah. when you go in because they have their, you know, it's like two, three hundred and, you know, three sixty. Right. Uh, I think that's for physio. But, um, yeah, so I, I do stuff like that and just kind of just mentally prepare for, you know, the chaos that's coming. Yeah, I and, you know, I think I do most of that. I mean, I even start running like the mega code in my head. You know, yeah. like, okay, this is, this is, you know, I, I always assign tasks, you know, I, I'll sit there and, you know, calm, cool, collected, because if, if you're not calm, they're not calm, you know, family's yeah. not calm, police aren't calm, firemen aren't calm, partners aren't calm, you need to be the calm in the storm. And, yeah. you know, I, and, it, and it sounds horrible, but this is the realistic way that you have to think about it you are going to treat someone who's dead. You cannot fuck up and make them more dead. <laughs> right. They're already dead. You can only fuck up and not make them alive. It's okay. So realistically, we should not be going into a cardiac arrest with a humongously stressed out, uh, no vision you know we shouldn't be walking in like a fucking you know ape bouncing off the walls because there's nothing to be worried about they can't get worse mm -hmm. and i know that sounds terrible but they really can't yeah, yeah and usually while i'm well we're you know we, we get there and we start getting our gear that's usually when i say hey you know if they've got somebody banging away you know you go secure the airway yep. i'll get the pads i'll get the monitor set up yes and, uh, and then after that, go ahead and, you know, if you can swap out with somebody, you know, that is qualified to bag that person, by all means do it. If not, you stay on the freaking airway and yep. we're just going to swap, you know, thumpers in and out uh, yes. until we get our, our Lucas set up. Yep. Uh, if we have one and, uh, yeah. And then from there I do my thing. So um, I think the, like the biggest thing that I think about is like all the oddball stuff, because like at the end of the day, your ACLS is the same. And like, especially running through like the. Um, arrest scenarios we're running in lab right now like it's the same every single time yes, so I feel is. like in my mind like I think about like the oddball stuff like I want all of my stuff on the stretcher so I can just grab like I will especially as a third like I'll put everything on the stretcher so we can just grab the stretcher and go and I've done an arrest as a BLS provider and I was an EMT and my partner was a driver so I quite literally sat in the back and threw all of my stuff on the stretcher and was like, okay, like this is the plan because he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like the whole, we're going to get the stretcher as close to patient as we can. So anything and everything that I need is going to be right there. And I think a big thing that I think about too is, you know, what kind, what kind of help do I have? Is it three in the morning? So nobody's going to show up for this. Or is it, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and the other crews in service and I've got all the hands in the world. Right. And I think I, thinking about like the oddball stuff, you know, is there somebody there that, you know, maybe there's one EMT who's really great with the family. Okay, great. Like, can you talk to them and see if you can figure out anything else? Think about the oddball things. Cause at the end of the day, 
you're gonna ro- run the code the same way you would every other time unless you can find like an HNT clause that you can turn it around with. Right. And Everything even, else and is just those, about the same. Right. And even those H's and T clauses are repetitive. Right. Oh look, we found this. Okay, I give this. Okay, that's fixed. Go right back into ACLS. You know. Um, well, and here's another thing that uh, you know I think is paramount. Um, verify before you do anything that your patient's actually in cardiac arrest. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you think I'm joking? <laughs> but uh, I I I think one of the last ones I did with Justin was uh, we get, we get there and it was echo cardiac arrest every week we get in there and I kneel down next to the guy and I look at him and I'm like he's looking at me. <laughs> what? They don't do I that. Said, right. So I said something to him and he blinked and then started talking to me. I said, "Well, okay, uh, yeah, let's let's not t- let's not do anything, please." Yeah, and, and <laughs> so, you know what? Yeah. It's not out of the ordinary because I've done a few of those, Gerard, where you know yeah. someone's thumping on the chest, and next thing you know, I'm like, uh, 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 "Stop, uh. stop, please, <laughs> please stop." <laughs> if the patient's grunting, they're not dead. Right. So, <laughs> so Kelsey, I I do have a specific question for you. Now, you you outlined a lot of what you're thinking. But kind of take me through the transition of like, you know, you and I have done cardiac arrests where you're a BLS third, you know, and now you're doing cardiac arrests on your own as the big bad paramagician. And you're learning (laughs) and you're learning how to do it as the provider in charge for, you know, the people out there that are the transitioning providers like you. What have you found like scary and or helpful about the transition? Um, so I think like when I was a BLS provider, like the first arrest I ever did, they plopped me at, I when, did CPR and then we transported and they're like, okay, like you're going to bag the patient out. And I think ever from that point, that point on, I always just chose airway, you know, you know, OPA, bag the patient, wait for the medic to get the tube, bag the patient. You know, our palm vents fail quite religiously so God, I always, suck. you know, sat there, bagged the patient, and I got to watch everything. And there were some things that I loved the people to do, and there were other things that would make me cringe, even as, you know, 16 and not knowing anything. And I think having that experience, if you're still a BLS provider and you're thinking about going on, maybe just sit at the airway because you can sit there and count to five and be helpful and be doing your job really well and still be watching everything that's going on around you. The issue is, is then when I transferred into medic school, I ran the worst code of my life like two weeks ago. Let me tell you, it is really hard to be in charge of people, even people that are going to school with you and know exactly what they should be doing. It is still incredibly hard because there's always a miscommunication factor. And we've all been on 100 codes and we're all used to going on codes and, you know, we're all rotating through and we're all running the code or doing the meds or we all know what we're supposed to do and what's supposed to get done. And you would think that it would just run flawlessly because everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And then there's a snafu somewhere along the way. And you're like, oh, I've just got no meds on board. Or, you know, my timing is really, really off because apparently I just am really bad at looking at my watch. <laughs> so I think, like, I was always so used to just sitting at airway and, like, watching everything. And there were certain things that I picked up on that I really liked. And that helps, but at the same time, like, the minute that you become in charge, like, 
you don't actually do anything. You just kind of stand there and direct things. Yes. And it's way yes. easier said than done. It's it's one of those things where you have to recognize that, that that's your new role. Um, and until you do, you're going to fail um, because you're maintaining that micro view of, of the situation. You're only, your world is now that IV. Your world is the IO. Your world is getting the, you know, the bag spiked. It, it, it's, it's not managing what's going on and you've got a bunch of cats and you need to herd them uh, and get them to do what you want. And once you realize that you have to take that macro view of the whole thing, you, you know, that's when um, you really start to become, I think, really successful at, uh, uh, and no matter what the outcome, you know, I mean, uh, right. we don't gauge it by the outcome because if we did, we'd all suck. Well, which we do suck, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I can't say how many, you know, codes I've come off of where, you know, not the outcome we wanted, but, uh, you know, coming out and, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily high-fiving people, but I'm definitely giving pats on the back and saying, hey, you know, nice work. Right. Was, um, yeah, that one terrible smooth, outcome, but good you know. job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and... it, it, it's it's one of those things where you can tell when a code is being run smoothly and when it's it's not. You know, it's a yeah, it's someone trying to hump a doorknob. You know, it's not. <laughs> it, it's just you know, no! It's just a. Uh, it's pretty obvious. You know? you know, and and right, and I think both of you touch on you know a lot of the a lot of what providers go through their struggles in a cardiac arrest. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, the, the paramedic needs to be the, the macro view. Now that does not mean that, okay, I'm the only paramedic on scene. I'm not doing right. the IV. I'm not doing right. the, I'm, I'm not pushing. No, I'm, just standing, here I'm until just standing here. Up. Right. <laughs> that, you still have to, you know, Place right. your IO, you still have to, you know, place your airway, you still have to give your drugs and do your do your rhythm checks and all this other stuff. But as soon as another ALS provider comes in, even if it's like an ILS provider, like an intermediate or an AEMT, where they can run a cardiac arrest by themselves, they can give epi, they can tube, they can IO and, you know, an IV and all that good jazz, then you can step back. And you can be like, okay, what do I, what does this whole scene need? Okay, that guy is starting to freak out. I'm going to take him and I'm going to put him on something else. Or we're going to redirect him. Here's the clipboard. Right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) well, and that's it. You know, you need to be the captain of the ship. And you really need to play that role, you know. And if you're calm, looking at the whole thing, it calms all of your minions. And then so one, go ahead. I'm sorry about that. Um, so in my former life, uh, we used to have a, a, a saying. God, I've got a lot of sayings from my former life. Now I think about it. You have a lot um, of sayings in general, right? It's yeah. Yeah, I, I got to stop that. Uh, <laughs> I got to find some new material. Um, <laughs> no. But, uh, it was. It was. Uh, Basically, if you are staring, if you look at an instrument for more than a second, you're staring at it. All right. So you had to keep a scan going in order to, you know, maintain uh, what you wanted to maintain. And I've actually taken that into, you know, what I do now as a paramedic, and especially with working a code. Um, a few other instances as well, but mainly, you know, when we're doing a code, it's 
okay, I'm going to get the IV or I'm going to get the IO. Boom. That's done. Take a breath, take a step back and look around. Yes. I scan the, I scan the entire you know field of play and it's like, okay, everything still looks cool. Okay. Now I'm doing my next thing. Yep. All right. Now I'm getting, you know, the pressure infuser going, I'm getting the fluids in. All right. Now I stop, take a look. Okay, good. Boom. You know, you know, the next step he's going in. Okay. Take a step back. Look, if I'm by myself, that's what I do because that allows me to, I can go micro for a second to get my skill out of the way and do what I got to do and then jump back and go back to macro and say, right. Hey, you know, is anybody, you know, has somebody started doing foot only CPR? You know what I mean? We, 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 you know, <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? So you have to be able to jump between those two roles uh, where you are, you know, performing an intervention and then jumping back and going, okay, now I'm back to being the manager. Is everybody doing what I want them to do? Right. Okay, cool. Now I'm going back in, you know, yeah. until of course, if you can get, you know, a second medic or like I said, an intermediate or somebody else there that can, you know, back your own skills. Are right. Yeah. Then you can kind of step back and, okay, I'm going to be over here by the monitor and, you know, drop drugs and stuff like that. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. I, I think the hardest thing to get used to is like the rhythm of it because like, I've been on codes where, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, like they're just flailing out. And like, I even know that there hasn't been an epi in a really long time. And then I've been on other codes and everything just flaws like seamlessly and nobody's stressed out because you just like you said, you can't make them more dead. But like the hardest thing I think to get used to is the rhythm because it's all timed. It's all 30 to 2 CPR until you can get a Mm -hmm. good like advanced airway. So it's 30 to do CPR until then. It's a pulse check every two minutes. It's an yeah. epi every three to five. It's ami after that. Like, it's such an easy rhythm. But I think we overthink so much of it that, like, you know, you don't want to be standing there just staring at your watch. Right. Right. And let's be honest. There, there are people that, you know, and I'm not trying to freaking, you know, be critical or anything like that. I, I, it's just some people, they're just not wired that way. And they let themselves get excited. Yeah. And they let themselves become overwhelmed. You know, um, I think with experience that kind of helps get rid of that. You know, if you're one of those people, so you know, if you are one of those people, recognize it and you know, well, and don't step, worry, you'll, and, you'll, and if, you'll get past it. Well, and but, if um, you're if you're not to step on you, Gerard, but you yeah. know, experience does play a lot. If you are uh, a seasoned paramedic. And you see, you know, a paramedic that is not so seasoned, step back and be like, yo, you're in charge. You're going to run all this. Right. Like, and and take over if they do flail, but give them the opportunity or step up yourself and be like, yo, I've never run this. Like, I can't wait until Kelsey and I get one. On her internship, because I'm not doing a goddamn thing. <laughs> He's like, gonna stand there, and be like, figure it out. I I will sit there and talk with the family, and that yep. and that's until she says, Turek, I need you to do this because I'm delegating. Then I'll be like, yes, ma'am. Here you go. It's done. But no, but she no, needs I mean, that it, experience. It, and I've had one. Yeah, I mean, I I had one at uh, at our favorite uh, facility there. Uh, where mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he was a inexperienced, you know, paramedic. I'd, not not by far, but I think um, there was there's a bit of a confidence issue, 
and I kind of picked up on it pretty quick. And yeah, I just kind of maintained the calm, asked him, what would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I do for you? You know, and then when he would be like, hey, uh, you know, is that right? Is this right? Or is that? Yep. No, nope, you're doing great, man. Keep going. Yep. Keep going. You know, and just that little bit of reassurance. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 sometimes you got to be the quarterback. Sometimes you got to be the coach, you know? Yes. Yep. Um, so. So leading into this, I, I want to talk about why we give medications on a code, right? I think there's this whole misnomer about why we give epinephrine and why we give, you know, amiodarone and why we give, you know, all of these different kind of drugs during a cardiac arrest situation. And, and when we, when we start to think about, like I, I said in the beginning, if you have good quality CPR and electricity, you can fix anything. Without drugs. Epi is not magically going to, you know, giving an epi is not magically going to switch their rhythm from, you know, V-fib to sinus. It's not going to happen. You need electricity to do that. Right? And I think, you know, going back to the Wayback Machine here, we were talking uh, initially of, you know, why has our, you know, kind of success rate, you know, gradually increased over the years. You know, Seattle, not withstanding right because they're yep that's a whole class all by itself but um i think you know one of the things you've got your you know more education for the public you've got uh don't forget you've got dispatchers now that are trained to coach people through cpr who've never yeah. done cpr you know that's that's a big one i mean they huge... usually you know i remember when it was basically hey okay i've got somebody in cardiac arrest okay well you know just hold on they're on their way right you know? yeah <laughs> yep but now they coach them through it um so things like that, and we can get into the equipment and the drugs and all that good stuff. But I mean, you think about it, you know, and it is—it's it's funny. It was a joke, um, you know, the fire department chronicles guy, you know, when they did the, uh, you know, was, the, was it the, yeah, the was it the crusty veteran or whatever it was? Yes. And yep. He's like, he's like, all right, we've got a cardiac arrest, so uh, give me uh, two epis and a bicarb, and they're like, um, you show us what you want to do. Okay, well then, uh, no, four epis and a bicarb. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's that's yep. all they did back then, right? Yep. So now, you know, we, we've learned and an new ways of doing things. And what was that? And an atropine. Right. And an atropine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and a precordial thump too. Don't forget oh, that. Oh yeah, man. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I, I think just our progression in understanding, cause I mean, let's face it, you know, we went from Johnny and Roy, not too long ago, you know, I mean, just a little bit outside my lifetime yeah. to where we are today. And that's not that's not a big time span. No. To go from we don't know nothing except putting water on hot stuff to <laughs> hey, you know, look what we can do now. We we show up to your house with a, an emergency room. Right. And um, right. I think a lot I think a lot of that you know, the, the evidence based medicine, right? We've figured out okay, this is what we want to do, you know, four epis and a bicarb. Okay, that doesn't work. What else are we what are we gonna do now? Okay, let's uh, let's try this lidocaine stuff. Hey, yeah. look, that seemed to work pretty good. Yep. And then, you know, from there, from there on, I think we've just, it's just been the natural progression and right. that's kind of why we've ended up where we are. I think, yeah, the next step going would definitely be like, take a Seattle model and start maybe applying that to the national level. I, I 100% agree. And, you know, the, the reason I brought up meds was not to deter anybody from giving them, you know, that, that is follow your ACLS, please. But I want you to understand why we're giving 
meds, right, in a cardiac arrest, a lot of people think that it's specifically for, it's going to fix the heart. No, you are preparing your patient for ROSC. That is what you're doing, right? You're giving your epis so that when your electricity or your CPR works and they magically then have a blood pressure because they get return of spontaneous circulation, they have epi on board to give them a blood pressure and to maintain a blood pressure. And you're giving the amiodarone so they don't go back into the ventricular rhythm that you just fixed with the electricity. (coughs) And so we're doing all of these things, not specifically for the cardiac function, but for the ROSC function. And, and ROSC is such an important thing. We kind of overlook ROSC and we go, Oh cool. We got pulses back. We need to move immediately and get them to the hospital. And and exactly. No, (laughs) don't, no, 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 stop. And, and this and this is and that's another oh, what a that great is, example uh, to, to build off of what I just said what we were just what I just talked about, you know yeah when I started doing this it was hey patients in cardiac arrest and even at, at, especially if you're at, at a BLS level oh patients in cardiac arrest quick throw them in the ambulance and run yes you know this is actually now, this is on my list to work. yes which oh, which great. is yeah no so yeah now it's hey we stay in play you know until we get Rosk and then when we get Rosk we're gonna stay a little bit longer you right. Know? And you know what? I, I I actually am so happy that you brought up transport times because that was literally the next thing that I was going to. Um, the stay in play or, you know, versus the move to the ER model. And because they're still teaching BLS providers to move to the ER. And yet they're teaching ALS providers around here to stay in play for 25 minutes. And then if nothing, secure on scene. Call a doc, secure right. on scene. And I'd be interested to see what other models are from across the country or the world that listen to this show. So on the Facebook post, comment and let us know, because I'm truly intrigued what other models use. And I I found a uh, AHA journal from May of 2020 that um, the conclusion... And, and I, I, I want to read the conclusion here because it's a long journal article. Again, I will uh, link it in the uh, description of, of this show. But out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients with shockable rhythms transported to a cardiac arrest center. Now, that's where I was having a trouble finding exactly what a cardiac arrest center is. It is not just any old hospital. It is a specific specialty hospital. We don't have any of those around here other than I'm assuming the one in the state capital would would probably be one. But out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients with shockable rhythms transported to specifically cardiac arrest center demonstrated higher probabilities of survival to discharge and a good neurological outcome at discharge. Direct ambulance delivery to cardiac arrest or yeah, to cardiac arrest centers should thus be considered, particularly when out of hospital cardiac arrest patients present with shockable rhythms. However, if you go to the update from the American Heart Association, 
that we all get, it's, you know, you can transport if you really need to, but we'd rather you stay on scene for 20, 25 minutes and secure it. Right. So it's really interesting. Like, we don't have a cardiac arrest center around here. Uh, that I know of, you know, not they're they're not labeling it on the on the front door. Right. Cardiac arrest center. Um, I think I think I think for us we just assume it's going to be one of our cardiac centers. Right. Um, That's what you would but, assume. Yeah, but it's not specifically labeled a cardiac arrest. Right. Facility. It's not Joe Blow yeah. cardiac arrest center. You know, like right. Joe Blow trauma center. You know, it's not. That's not it. So I, I'm. <laughs> they really should make it that easy. They really should. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna dive into this more. Um, because with my broken finger, I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to really deep dive into this, but this is something that I'm going to actually come back to, um, because I think it's a really interesting, you know, discussion to have like there, we've been told for a while, there is no benefit of moving cardiac arrest patients because CPR quality decreases tenfold if you're doing manual compressions. If you're doing, so, I mean, if you're doing, you know, say, like a, your, a Lucas, uh, who cares? All you people out there that, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we keep stepping on each other. It's this damn, I don't know. There is a delay, I think. Because I, I hear you and you like stop, like you're pausing. So I'll start jumping and then you I'm are sorry. still talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, quite all right. It sucks. The floor is yours. I yield my time. Uh, <laughs> we, should, we should probably adopt Robert's rules, you know? <laughs> gentleman from the south now has the floor okay um thank you chairman um no um what i was gonna say is i mean how many you know of you out there that you know have you know experience you've been out you've been around the block a few times you know how many times have you seen you know moving a cardiac arrest patient you know getting them off the floor onto a stretcher out of the or, or reeves or whatever to get them out of the, the house, wherever they're at, you know, get them into the ambulance. Just in that segment of, you know, patient extrication, movement to the ambulance. You, yeah. How many times do you see CPR completely stopped? Mm-hmm. Ventilation's completely stopped. Yes. Because, you know, it's just, you can't do it. You right. know, it, sometimes you just can't do it. Sometimes people get all caught up in, you know, straps and other things and they go, oh yeah, I should be, uh, you know, thumping on that chest for a little bit. Right. And, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I, I'm hoping that we've learned that lesson. And you know, whether you're BLS, ALS, wherever the hell you are, yeah, I mean, if you have especially a witnessed arrest, um, yeah, don't you, don't wherever stop. you got them, that's where you want to work them. Yeah, don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. You know, and and like you said, you know, when we were talking about the the ROSC, if you get ROSC, that's your time to stop. Stop. Do a 12 lead, get a baseline set of vitals, call a doctor, get orders for what you want, you know, on the route, start packaging slowly, see what their rhythm's going to do, see how your extrication's going to be. Because if they are going to recode, it's going to be exactly when you move them. Exactly. People people are so unstable when we move them. So... This is not a this is not the time period if you get Rosk to be like, oh my God, I need to move now. It is the time to slow your roll. Right. And really make it 
the best one move that you absolutely can so that you can get them actually to the cardiac center. And please, this was going to be something that I was going to touch base on later. But please start transporting your cardiac arrest patients to the appropriate facilities. Right. Yeah, the, a, the whole, oh, ROSC, you have to have them stabilized. Right. Yeah, no, get a, that out of your A head. ROSC patient should not be going to the nearest close hospital unless it is a cardiac center. Go the right. extra mile. Call a helicopter. They can do CPR in a helicopter. It is not a myth. Yeah. Um, they will fly critical patients. It's kind of their job. Um, <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. You know, yeah. See, you, I wasn't aware of that is, one. Is last, that, last time I heard somebody in Rosk from, you know, cardiac arrest, that's a critical patient. That's a critical patient. Yeah, you know, it's kind um, of what they do. You know, those are, those are things that you need to be thinking about in your, in your flow. You know, this is not just like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking ACLS and that's only what I'm thinking about. There's, there's that macro view, as Gerard and everybody has said. Macro view is, is very important. So I think Kelly reiterated that as well. So Kelly actually just uh, she she brought up a really good point. Uh, she kind of whispered it here to me. I'm I'm uh, apologizing for Mike didn't bring it shy. up. She it. she's still very shy, very very yeah. very very shy. Yeah. But but she brings up a very interesting question, and she, she wants to know whether or whether not we should be intubating our patients, taking the time to actually put an ET tube mm. down the trachea into the lungs or whether we should now be moving to a secondary airway, like a King or a combi tube on first pass on first try. So I want to get your guys. Student Kelsey give her opinion. On I this? would love paramedic intern Kelsey to give her opinion. Okay. So I actually feel like this is really cool because we talk about this a lot in class. Um, we just learned digital intubation, which personally I feel like is a party trick. Like I like the idea of visualizing that the tube is passing, but you know, if you can do it and pull it off, good for you. Not like, not my fan favorite, but we just, were talking just, about just, just verify when you're saying digitally, we are talking about the fingers, correct? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. No, there's some like people out there going to be like, Oh cool. They got like a, like a, you know, like a super like borescope or something. No, no, no digital. <laughs> um, but we were talking about in class the one day how King Airways actually, you know, like your normal rescue device, if you inflate the cuff, you know, just a little bit too big will actually press on the carotid arteries, which could actually decrease your perfusion to your brain. And I feel like, I mean, I'm not saying intubation isn't a big skill, but I feel like lately I've been practicing it and, you know, it's all in under 30 seconds. So how long does it really take you to, I mean, you don't have to work on RSI meds. It's not exactly like your hype, like doing nitrogen washout on the patient so how long does it really take to grab your stuff and just drop the tube i feel like overall what are you going to waste two minutes so and you're not going to lose any perfusion by pressing on the crowds that way so, so i will i will answer that one okay because I, 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 I definitely have things to add to that oh okay no but you go so, first okay so so for me personally um and once you get out there, and all, if you guys that are listening, if you're in you know, paramedic school, you know, you're going to find that you're going to do your own thing. So you're going to have all this stuff and the way you were taught and all this, you know, good stuff, and, and it is good stuff. 
But then once you get out there and you start getting your mojo, you realize that, you know what, I'm going to do things my way. And I want to do things the way I want to do it within, you know, the scope of practice and within the protocol. Um, so me personally, if it's, if it's an arrest where I believe we have an opportunity or a chance to get them back. So, you know, you didn't, it's not where you went to the nursing home. They said they were fine 10 minutes ago and they're stiff as a board and cold. I mean, I'm sorry. That's not you know, funny. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause for one second. I'm holding. I have I to, I, I have to ding the nursing home staff on that one. All right. Um, so whether it's witnessed or unwitnessed, um, if you, you, you can tell if this is going to be, you know, a viable effort. And if it is a viable effort, then I will perform a full ET innovation um, when I have done everything else and we're ready to, you know, just continue working, you know, the algorithm. Uh, once everything else is done, all my procedures, everything else, you know, I've, I've gotten a couple rounds of FDN, you know, we're at that point where, okay, are we going to, you know, continue with the college try or are we, you know, kind of not really expecting a, a good result here? Um, then I'll go for the full ET. If it's one of those, you know, if it's, especially if it's unwitnessed and, you know, there's some maybe not complete, you know, signs of obvious death, but you kind of know that this ain't going to work. Um, or if it's something that we've worked, we've gotten no rhythm changes, you know, it's just been steady where, where we, you know, when we walked in, um, I'll usually just, I'll, I'll just drop a king and go from there. Um, because at least I've got a secure airway. If, you know, the gods decide to favor us, all well and good. If not, then, you know, at least I have a secure airway at the very least. But yeah, if it's, if it's something where, Hey, we're getting, you know, rhythm changes or, you know, we're, we're getting, going to get Rosk or, you know, it's, it, you know, witness to rest. We, we've got a really good shot at this. Then yeah, I'm going to go for the full, the full enchilada. So that's all I got. That's all that you got. Yeah, Kelly. Oh, Kelly's, I'm sorry, Kelly. I didn't mean to step on you. You totally stepped on Kelly. Um, but <sighs> so it's it's actually very interesting, Gerard. You and I uh, agree 99 on this show, and you and I are going to kind of diverge here. Um, okay. And I don't think either one is wrong. I I really don't. I think uh, like you led into the conversation, we all find our flow, right? So the way yeah. I approach this is our now um kelsey let me ask you this okay the way i teach you how to intubate right at 30 degrees head elevated as proper positioning for intubation do we do that in a cardiac arrest situation not when that's really hard to do CPR when you do it's, that. It's really hard to do manual CPR when you're leaning your patient up. If they're on a thumper, you can get away with it. If you're on a stretcher, you can still do the thumper and, and chest compressions mm -hmm. at 30 degrees. But now we'll say we're doing it on a nursing home floor or a bedroom floor. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so... 
Just the thought of being on a nursing home floor. <laughs> I swear you just made... It's so sticky. Hold on. I, just, I swear you just made eight people in their cars go... <laughs> you, you triggered someone's gag reflex. Right. It's great. So, um, so say you're on one of those supine surfaces where you're doing manual compressions and you can't lift them up, right? Or even one of those supine positions where you're doing, you know, mechanical CPR, but you can't lift them up, right? Mm-hmm. Is your view going to be pristine or is it going to be, well, I couldn't get it because it was anterior, man. Okay, well, that's when you just learn your anatomy and... Okay. Well, now you also, you knowing, also want to do when you're doing something like this, you want to make damn sure you have the best shot at doing it, too. Right. So now, I mean, I understand hold on, that, but hold on. in the hospital, I mean, they're just gonna rip your tube out and put a real one in, anyways. Hold on, hold on. So, knowing positioning is everything, right? How many times, and knowing that we as EMS providers overly suck at intubations, right? We We poorly oxygenate them because we're in a cardiac arrest situation. We're freaked out because we're in a cardiac arrest situation. We don't properly position them. And then we get an anterior airway. And what are we doing? We're fumbling in that airway for a minute. And then we're like, okay. And then we go in for another minute. And then we fuck that one up. So then we pull it out. And then the next provider goes and they fuck around for a minute. And now we've we've desatted this guy for three minutes, which is an anoxic brain injury. And all we had to do was put in our direct blade and put in our secondary device. And you would have been done in 30 seconds. And, and that's enough. it. Right? Now, so that is why every single cardiac arrest, I will do a king over an ET tube. Every single one. However, if I do not get to it in the time that it takes to get ROSC and they get ROSC and now I'm like, okay, well, they're a ROSC patient. They're still unresponsive. I'm going to have to either RSI them or tube them and tube them, or I'm going to have to just tube them because they're unconscious, unresponsive GCS of three. At that moment, I will properly position them, go through the whole ring of Yeah and intubate them with an ET tube. So that is that is where my distinction comes from. And, and we're not we're actually not far apart because I, I you actually said it better than I did. And for me it's it's literally the, almost the same thing. It's it, we get ROSC, you know, if I don't have a tube in, they're getting they're getting the uh, full enchilada. I'm getting, getting a, a real I'm tube. Full yes. ET intubation. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Um so I mean we've worked close together. I mean you you seen yeah, hey, guess what? We're, we're working this patient. Hey, get that king and jam it in there. In fact, yeah. I did it did hanging upside down on bed with, uh, with Kelsey there that day. You <laughs> yep. know, so, well, I had, you know, the side of the bed upside down like a freaking orangutan. Like, hey, how's it going here? <laughs> Hold his mouth open. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And you know what? So. And I mean, they're, they're so, even the combi tubes, they're so simple and easy. Yeah. They ventilate well. They suction well. They perform perfectly. They should not be considered rescue airways. They are secondary airway devices. 
And I think if we take the rescue airway out of the verbiage and we start calling them secondary airways, we won't be so scared to transition to them first, you know, and be like, oh, man, you know, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, we always say, oh, you know, ET innovation is the gold standard. Okay, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's the gold standard. But, you know, a King Airway is not, you know, a piece of shit. It, right. It, it's the silver standard, you yes. know? It's 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 not that bad. Silver's pretty good, yep. you know? I, I 100% it, it's agree. It's not an OPA, you know? Right. You're still, it's still an ALS Airway. Yep. Yeah. And whether or not the hospital rips that tube out and reintubates, I don't give a fuck. I did my nope, job. That's not my, that's that not my, my problem. problem. <laughs> you know? So in in kind of uh you know ending here, I just want to hear your guys' last kind of tips for you know con- so conducting the arrest or after the arrest <laughs> or anything like one. that. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that like the new technology is making it harder for us to secure on scene? So we all have, you know, Lucas's and we're getting better with rescue airway devices. So our patients are being ventilated properly and we're circulating the blood properly. And maybe, you know, your end title's not skyrocketing really high because you've got a pulse, but you're just doing really, really quality CPR. Do you think that, Uh like, we're making it harder to secure on scene and then ultimately giving the family false hope? No, Um, I think exactly the opposite. I think we're at a point now where if I'm picking up the phone to call a doctor to get a secure order, I am 110% confident that we have done every single thing we can possibly do. There's no doubt in my mind this person is not coming back. Because if there is, you know, then we're not stopping. Um, I think, like, even when I first started doing this, there were times where it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. Let's just throw them in the ambulance and go because we don't know. It's it, it could go either way. Even though it, it, we kind of already knew that it wasn't going to happen, um, you know. Or you try to call, get a secure order and you leave. And I, and I do remember one. And this is back when I was still in the MT and we secured one on scene and we're driving away. And in my mind, I was like, "Fuck! I think I I I think we secured too soon." You know, I I didn't you know make it make a big deal of it because I everyone you know did their best, but. Um, it was one of those ones where it was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think we did everything we could have done, you know? And, um, but I think now with all the, you know, the technology, the Lucas's, the, you know, the, the super duper monitors, the freaking, you know, all the, the cool funky drugs we have now, um, you know, yeah, I, I think now when we secure it's, you can be a hundred percent confident when you tell that family, we did everything we could do. And that's it, you know? I I couldn't have said that more, so I'm not even saying anything. That was <laughs> that was perfect, literally Don't perfect. Be like Kelly. <laughs> hey, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's my take. I have one more question. Shocker. Um, so we have talked about um, you know. How sorry, Kelly interrupted there. Um, what a bitch, so Kelly! Rude. Shut up, right? Gosh. <laughs> so we've talked about before, you know, that the minute that you secure, you 
have another patient and we've talked about like you're the person that that family is going to remember for the rest of their lives but how do you guys feel about letting the family help like helping them along with that grieving process and letting them watch letting them you know help bag the patient because at the end of it you know maybe a you need the hands or b because they really want to do something and maybe that'll help them along in the grieving process knowing that they also had the ability to try and help save whoever they love's life life so i'm gonna jump right in i'm gonna jump right in here and i'm gonna say that from a legal standpoint um if they are not certified to do the job that i'm giving them I'm not going to give them that job because if there's a poor outcome, they can be like, well, this provider let me bag them and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And now my grandpa's dead and it's his fault. So I'm not going to like, if there's, you know, CPR certified, if they're an EMT basic and just off duty, if they're a off duty paramedic, whatever, then maybe, um, but hell I've even told doctors, you know, there's been doctors that have been on scenes of mine and, you know, they're like, well, I'm a doctor. I want you to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, are you my region's doctor? And they're like, no. I was like, well, then you're as good as useless to me. Like, hold a pulse. See if it's there. Tell me if, if we get anything back. And so sometimes you have to distance them from a legal standpoint. Now, what you can do is sorry to cut you off Gerard I just want to finish what yeah, you no, can no. do yep. is you can you can take them you know and be human to them we've done a whole episode on being human and having humanity to your patient's family who's there witnessing everything and having to go through all this so not just being like, oh, what's what's this patient's demos? And here, sign this billing form for me. And, oh, yeah, they're dead. But sitting there. And, and who's hungry? Right. And sitting there <laughs> for, you know, an hour and a half after the, after the calls ended and talking with them, making sure that, a, you know, that you can leave them there safely, that, you know, everything's that they have somebody with them, that dinner's cooked that they're not going to, you know, jump off a bridge or whatever afterwards that you can sufficiently leave because they are a patient too. And well, in the case they, of some making sure they don't become another patient for you. Exactly. Exactly. Be yeah. a human. Don't just write them off. Talk with them. Explain what you guys are doing. Sit there and don't be like, well, yep, uh, they're in ventricular fibrillation and we're going to cardiovert them at, you know, or defibrillate them at, you know, 360 joules and blah, uh, blah, blah. One milligram yeah. epis, you know? Fuck all that. Be like, listen, <laughs> right. their heart isn't working the way it's supposed to. It's not providing, you know, blood to the rest of the body, which means, you know, they're, they are dead right now. We're giving them drugs. We're doing CPR. We're, you know, giving them air through whatever, you know, method that you are. And we are doing our best, you know, efforts to try and make this a good outcome. But be honest. Tell them, listen, we've been doing this now for 20 minutes. We've been doing this now for 30 minutes. We've seen no change. You know, we have to come to the realization that we might have to stop soon. 
are you okay with this? Explain it to them, you know, because mm-hmm. they're 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 going to have we have to stop eventually, and you have to be that vessel to then sit there and take their emotion on and their questions on and their worry on. And you can't just sit there and be like, yep, dead, sorry, did all we can, bye. But that's what most providers do. And and we need to stop that and be better humans. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I'm going to call for a secure order before I do it, I'm going to let the family know what, what I'm doing. Yes. Um, yes. I go and talk to them before, I, before I pick up the phone, I have my EMT or whoever is, you know, I, I leave the conga line in place doing their thing. Um, and I go and, you know, talk to the family and say, Hey, uh, you know, lay it all out. This is what we did. You know, if they were, you know, in the room with inside of us, you know, I explain a few things of what you saw us do. You know, we're not, going to get a good outcome here you know it, it's not what we wanted but we've done everything we can and i'm going to call a physician right now uh to terminate cpr yep and um uh, yeah is there anything else you would like us to do you know and nine times out of ten i mean actually ten times out of ten they usually say no we we understand you know we, we understand you've done everything you can do and you know, that's pretty much it. Right. And then I go into the my whole, you know, hey, can I cook you breakfast or, you know, yep. what, what 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 do you need from me because I'm at your disposal for as long as you want me. Right. You know. Yep. And um, but as far as Shanghai and people, um, yeah, I, I will never <laughs> Shanghai somebody and put them on airway. Never. Um, well, that was but, just the first thing that popped I, in I my will, mind. I will. I will. I have, and I. I if if I'm in the position where I have no choice, you know, I will coach someone through through you know compressions um whether i don't know what their status is I, it, it, I we need to have compressions done if a dispatcher can do it over the phone i can do it 10 times better in person so um i'll do that but yeah that's about it i won't uh, i'm not gonna say here uh put this opa in and uh, you know start bagging them <laughs> you know <laughs> and then It'd you look up fun. and the opa sticking out of their ass and you're like wait, wait no 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 this is going horribly wrong <laughs> So, um, you know, so I, I, I just want to, you know, end in, uh, in just your last tips, uh, you know, for, for the providers out there that are listening that maybe haven't run their, you know, a cardiac arrest yet or a seasoned provider that's run a hundred. What is just the last tip for you guys that you can throw out there for them? If you need time to wow, think, Kelly, I, that was awesome. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly was right on point there. And, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and to piggyback <laughs> off of what Kelly was saying, because she brought up a very good point with uh, uh, with fly car medics. We we really haven't touched about the fly car medics. If you are ever in a position where you show up and you are first, you are the provider you are in an charge, EMT. and you are. <laughs> you know, the paramedic in a fly car and you don't have, but the dead body and the family and in the end, then you, what do you do? This is something, you know, Gerard, you stated in the beginning of the program, you said, I think about what I'm going to do. Every single time Mm -hmm. that I work a fly car shift, I run a cardiac arrest scenario through my head every single time. Because I'm going, okay, I'm going to walk in there. What's the first thing that needs to happen? CPR. 
I have a Lucas. Cool. I'm yep. going to put that on. What's the next thing that can free me up? Pads. Pads, right? I'm going to put mm-hmm. on my pads, and I'm going to see if I can defibrillate them. Okay, nope, I can't defibrillate them. What's the next thing that can free my hands? Airway. So airway. typically mm-hmm. I will go to airway because I have a palm vent. So I will drop a king, and I will put them on the vent. So now my Lucas goes continually. I don't have to stop. My vent goes one breath every five seconds because I can set it to that. And then I will do my IV or IO and start to give meds. Because at that point in time, all I have to do is sit at the IV site, look at my monitor, and give drugs. And I could sit there for an hour. It doesn't matter. So... If you're, if I was you're, just saying, and to, to make that as simple as possible, in the most simplest of terms, just follow CAB. D- yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yep. right. Just like when you do when you you first arrive on scene for cardiac arrest, right? We do CAB. Same thing when you're doing your, if you're especially if you're by yourself and you have a Lucas. Yeah, you know, if you don't have a Lucas, then hey, guess what? You're 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 doing compressions until you can find someone else who can do it. Yes. Well, you somebody know, had to find up. the person, so I'm assuming there's somebody else in the room. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> but, or 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 they they're I'm, I'm not, you know what I'm not gonna be that guy and do the whole stereotype thing. I'm just gonna say there have been people who will call and say my friend's dead and they're in cardiac arrest and then you get there and like all their friends are gone and yeah. they're just laying there and you're Bye, like Felicia. who the fuck called? Right. <laughs> 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 <Bye, Felicia. laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, w- uh, again, last bit of advice for you guys. Um, so, f- yeah, for me, um, I would just just maintain your, your presence of calm. You know, it, it's a procedure. It's just mm-hmm. you're following, you're following, you know, a flow chart. It's really, that's all it is. Uh, you, you know, but by the time you leave paramedic school, if you're brand new, or if you've been out there for, you know, fucking 20 years, you know, you've got the muscle memory for your, you know, your skills are fine. It's just, it's just maintaining that calm and following the flow. Yes. That's it. You know, feeling the flow, working it, working it, working. circular, circle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <No. laughs> All right. What would you say, you Kelsey? Know. I don't really know if I have any good advice, but I feel like the best advice that I've ever gotten is just the fact that, like, you can't make them more dead. So you might as well do your best, be there for the family, cry it out after if you need to, but you did what you could, all things considered. Yep. Yeah, no, and just to, just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, and not to sound like a, like a fucking horrible ghoul, but <laughs> what, do we always, what do we always say about our skills, right? Right? You know, high acuity, low frequency, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I don't want to sound like a fucking asshole, but but you are. Hey, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to drop a tube. You have an opportunity to do an IO. You have an opportunity to do things that you don't normally get a chance to do. You know, every day. Um, if especially if it's, you know, if it's something where you know, let's say it's kind of iffy whether or not, you know, like you start to see, eh. if it's pretty obvious that they're not going to make it. So, you know, obvious, obvious, obvious that, you know, 100%, you know, they're ice cold. They've, they've achieved room temperature. Um, <laughs> yeah, drop the tube anyway. 
get your ET and get get your skills down because there's nothing like doing it on a real person. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean, I had one where, you know, I was like, yeah, he, he, this dude, yeah, he's a uh, he's, you know, I could have chilled my beer under his armpit, and uh, yeah, not that I had a beer on scene, wow, but um, hold on, <laughs> but, was it was it a Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken it was Skull a stone IPA? Cold Steve <laughs> broken Skull IPA. That's right. <laughs> I was thinking about how to pull that in for the last five minutes, and you just did it for me. Thank you. There you go. Swing away. <laughs> but no, I'm, and, and I'll never forget. I mean, it was one of the. You know, it wasn't too long ago, and I was like, you know what? I'm. I haven't done a freaking animation in a while. Fuck it. Let's innovate the guy. You know. It, I mean. Wow. Yeah, I really got to be careful because. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, think, I don't want to say it's, it's like being a cadaver lab, but I mean, it's that's about as close as you're going to get. But also at the same time, I mean, say not that you're going to use the body as practice because that just sounds awful. But doing <laughs> like but there's no okay, good way to I'm, say I'm gonna it. I'm going to put a positive spin on it, Gerard. I'm going to have like your back here. Body snatcher. <laughs> I'm going to put a positive spin on it. I'm going to have your back here. Doing right. stuff like that shows the family that you're doing everything you can yeah. whether there was no shot in the first place or there was a legitimate chance you are fully able to look at that family and say i did everything i could and just that little bit of peace of mind makes it 10 times better for them yeah. there's my positive spin on it for you that was perfect oh, i will never that forget that one too because when i we, we actually did transport that one just because it was one of those things where uh, there were some people getting a little, a little on edge on scene, and it was like, you know what? Let's just go to the hospital with this one. And uh, so we ended up transporting it to the hospital. And uh, I'll never forget walking in, and the first word out of the nurse's mouth was, "Well, did you get a BG?" I'm like, <laughs> uh, thanks, Emily. So yeah, right. <laughs> it was no. It, it, to be fair, it was not Emily. <laughs> this was another nurse. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I, I I get it, but this this dude's better than Disco. No, I'm not taking a fucking BG. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sorry. Oh shit! All right, with that, I'm ending See? this. I'm pulling rank. Uh, thank you guys again for listening, and uh, hopefully. Kelly can join us. Um, Emily can join us next time. Uh, thank you guys for joining us from your own secure bunkers uh, elsewhere in New York State here. Till next time, guys, mm. stay safe. Should we let Kelly say donuts? There, she just said it. She, perfect, <laughs> Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> perfect. Oh, an excellent tone, too. <laughs> to, to end on a good note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.